Thank you for joining us for another podcast from the Commonwealth Club. Good morning, everybody. Uh, my name is Sean Randolph. I'm Senior Director at the Bay Area Council Economic Institute. And we're a think tank uh, supported by the Bay Area Council and the business community that focuses on the economy of the San Francisco Bay Area, Silicon Valley, and, and California. Uh, I'm pleased to welcome you to this program. and I'm going to be the moderator uh, today. And our focus is going to be on an aspect of Mexico we don't often think of, which is Mexico as a growing technology and innovation environment and its connections to us here in the Bay Area and Silicon Valley. Earlier this summer, in June, we released uh, an extensive report on that subject, looking at innovation centers across Mexico and and what was happening and and how that relates to us here. And that built actually on a program uh, we did not long before that with the Commonwealth Club uh, in Marin County. Uh, looking at Mexico and its growth potential. And at that meeting, uh, the Consul General from Mexico at the time uh, was with us, and we're very pleased that uh, the current Consul General of Mexico is with us uh, today. So uh, we have really an incredible lineup of speakers. We couldn't ask for a more knowledgeable group, and I'll just briefly introduce them now. Uh, first, we'll be hearing from uh, Remedios Gomez Arnau, and she's the Consul General of Mexico in San Francisco, and her territory covers the Bay Area, Northern California, uh, and Hawaii. Uh, Lynn Berstow is a managing partner at Mita Ventures, and Mita is a venture capital firm that provides funding and strategic mentorship for early-stage startup companies in Mexico with global growth potential and also later stage funding for proven Silicon Valley companies that are looking to expand into Mexican and Latin American markets. Uh, and Lynn divides her time between San Francisco, Mexico City, and Putamita in Jalisco near Guadalajara. And so she sees it constantly from, from every direction. Uh, Andy Sao is managing director of Silicon Valley Bank and he leads his Global Gateways program, which assists startups in emerging economies with U.S. and global market expansion. And last but definitely not least, Maritza Diaz is CEO of IT Tijuana, which helps California companies establish software engineering centers in Tijuana. And before that, she was senior director at Thermo Fisher Scientific, uh, running their digital activity in North America, Mexico, and India. So I think there's an interesting perspective we can explore there. Uh, she also leads the Tijuana Economic Development Corporation's Innovation and Emerging Sectors Commission. So she'll bring a Baja California uh, perspective to, to the conversation. So uh, as we go forward, an important housekeeping note, if you have questions, uh, please put them in the YouTube chat box and they'll be forwarded to me. Uh, I'll start with a short summary of what our key findings were in the report. Uh, We'll go into the conversation. I'll ask our speakers a few questions to start, but please feed your questions as they occur to you into the YouTube chat. So with that, uh, let's get going. Uh, We'll start with the, uh, the first slides. So as I mentioned, this is a report we released it in June. Uh, and we released it with the belief that I think when a lot of people in the States think about Mexico, certain things may come to mind. It might be uh, illegal immigration, or it, it might be there's violence somewhere, or it might be wonderful beaches. But people don't often think about Mexico as a place to look for innovation, 
and a place to look for technology. And so our goal with this report was to broaden that perspective on Mexico as an area of opportunity uh, for technology companies and investors and other partners here in, in Silicon Valley, the Bay Area, and California. Uh, we had a lot of terrific partners that supported the project, uh, including Silicon Valley Bank. So thanks very much, Andy. Uh, we had great support from the Consulate General here, and, and uh, we talked to Lynn as well. We didn't know you at that time, Maritza, but you're very much part of this conversation that, today. So first, looking at the national economy in Mexico. Uh, first, it's really big. It's the second largest in Latin America. It's the 15th largest economy in the world. Uh, for a long time, it was really based on agriculture and manufacturing, but we've seen in recent years the economy is shifting more and more in the direction of services with telecommunications, IT, financial services, re seeing really strong growth. In the mid-2000s, Mexico opened up through a really important reform in the telecommunications sector to competition. So that lowered costs and improved access that laid the groundwork for what today is a growing digital economy. Uh, other reforms, they jump-started the venture capital industry, denationalized the energy sector. That started to stimulate clean tech growth, so really an, an era of reforms. Under the current federal government in Mexico, there's sort of less focus on technology and innovation. Uh, but as that has occurred, we've seen very strong focus in certain cities and states across Mexico that's really shifting the focus for this kind of activity even more than in the past uh, to key centers and cities across the country that are focused on technology and innovation through the private sector, but also through government initiatives. So looking at the startup scene first. So the, the venture industry in Mexico is still very young. It's not huge scale by any means. Uh, but it has grown a lot. In 2010, there was about $55 million in the system. Uh, last year, uh, investment was about $1.1 So that's really, really significant growth. Uh, most of the investment going into startups in Mexico is still seed or early stage. Uh, most of those funds are concentrated in Mexico City and to a lesser degree in the cities of Monterey and Guadalajara but we're seeing growth in later stage deals. And most of these deals are being done with startups in consumer and, and financial services. A big change occurred a few years ago when Japan's SoftBank came in with what they call the Innovation Fund, which is a $5 billion fund to invest in Latin America, including Mexico. And that was significant because it really sent the signal that Mexico could be a global destination for venture capital. And today we're seeing a lot of very successful companies, Corner Shop, Clip, Kavak, Confio, and Justo, among others, that are growing rapidly across Mexico, but also growing in Latin America. And we are seeing many of these startups looking at, Me at Latin America as a larger market for expansion, even beyond Mexico itself. And so here you can see the growth of venture capital really dramatic in the last three years, including the growth of, of, of later stage investment in, in that far right bar. And here you can see how the venture capital is concentrated. And if you look at the far right, it's really heavily concentrated in Mexico City. It's where most of the action is. And then the other two major centers we're seeing for it are, are Jalisco around Guadalajara and uh, in Nueva León around the, the city of Monterey. So a lot of our conversation will focus on on those three places in particular. As I said, 
there are four or five or six, maybe even a few more, major cities across Mexico that are really focused on building their technology and innovation ecosystems. And we'll talk for very briefly about each one. Uh, so we're going to start with, with Tijuana and Baja California. So Tijuana, Mexicali being the state capital, just further down the border, and Ensenada just to the south. So Tijuana anchors a cross-border economy of the Cali-Baja region, which refers to really Southern California, San Diego County, especially with Tijuana and Northern Baja California. So it's uniquely connected to us here in California. Uh, the San Ysidro Port of Entry is the business, busiest border crossing in the Western Hemisphere. 90,000 passengers and pedestrians cross northeast state. You know, this is pre-COVID, but we'll get back there. About 1.7 million trucks cross the border at Ote Mesa as well. So this is really a, a, a massive flow of people and goods back and forth across that border. Uh, it's very focused on maquiadoras and manufacturing with aerospace, medical devices, biotech, automobiles, electronics being very, very important. Uh, there's a very strong base in, in engineering, which is, I think, something people don't think about Tijuana as a source of engineering. So the Autonomous University of Baja California uh, and UNAM, the National University, 20% of the, 27% of the students graduating each year from the 35 universities in the region, including those two leading ones, are engineers. So that's a big pool of engineers right across the border. Um, there's other noteworthy universities and research institutes. I was really surprised when I went out a couple of years ago to be introduced to research institutes in, in, in Ensenada. Uh, I, it, I used to go to a bar there, and it was a port, and now it, it's research institutes. So uh, really impressive development. Tijuana has a number of challenges. There's not a lot of venture capital. There haven't been high-profile exits by startups there. There aren't leading Mexican companies headquartered there to kind of nurture them. But it does have this big advantage of proximity. Lots of skilled engineers are very sophisticated by national manufacturing sector that's expanding its R&D uh, as rapidly as it can. So as we move further along the border, we come to the state of Chihuahua and Ciudad Juarez, again, a big manufacturing center, 300-plus maquiadora plants, 300,000 employees, lots of work in transportation equipment, computer equipment, electrical equipment, major universities contributing to the development of an engineering base, not as big as Tijuana, but some very important universities. And what really struck me looking at Juarez was the investment by the city and the community there in technology research. They've developed another, a number of really advanced technology research institutes that are especially supporting advanced manufacturing uh, across the state. There's also something called the Technology Hub, very effective organization supporting entrepreneurs, actually in a former U.S. consulate building in Juarez. There are challenges there, too, of course. One is the startup committee is pretty small. There's limited access to venture capital. There aren't as many STEM graduates as they're going to need. And the startups there aren't so visible yet, especially nationally. But it's a really strong binational economy uh, right across the border from El Paso. So it's kind of like San Diego and Tijuana in a way. Their investment with a lot of government focus behind that in innovation and growing an ecosystem is, is, is advancing. Uh, 
and the manufacturing base there offers a really interesting platform for IoT and, and innovative technologies. So coming to Monterey, uh, a very interesting place. Uh, it has the highest GDP per capita in Mexico, uh, the second highest GDP per capita in Latin America, and it's, it's really the business center of Mexico, being home to many of the largest industrial companies in the country. I think it's really noteworthy because the government and business have been working together quite effectively to build the ecosystems in Monterrey and the state of Nuevo León. And again, that's anchored especially by its universities. Uh, there's 193,000 students enrolled in undergraduate and graduate programs there. 82,000 of those are in science, technology, and engineering. 26,000 of those are at the graduate level. 13,000 of those are in the graduate level in science and engineering. So that is a really large pool of, of engineering and technology talent. Uh, they also have a large IT sector, more than 400 companies. Most of them are, are small, uh, but it's also home to Softech, which is the largest private technology company in Latin America. And I think a unique asset for Monterey is Techno Monterey, a private university strongly identified with entrepreneurship and business, founded by business people and entrepreneurs, and it's retained to this day a very strong focus in its programs on supporting entrepreneurial development and activity among the students and its graduates. Uh, you have the Monterey Digital Hub that links large companies. And again, there's this big concentration of large companies in Monterey. Uh, with digital innovation, linking them with startups. And then you have this really large tech conference, Inc. Monterey, draws eight to 10,000 participants per year, a lot like you might see anywhere here in, in Silicon Valley. So the issues and the opportunities, it's harder to scale young companies there because a lot of them go across the board. They're recruited by Google and Facebook. It's still not that easy to find venture capital, but Monterey has its own venture firms and it's getting easier to find. The advantages are there are these local VCs and there are these large companies that have a focus on innovation and working with smaller companies. Family funds are investing in venture firms uh, and, and, and we find Tech Monterey really being a catalyst for the entrepreneurial community there and a very effective one at that. And this just shows you that the industries where we're seeing the startup activity, you know, lots and lots of, of e-commerce and, and SaaS activity as, as well as mobile. So we get to Mexico City. Uh, again, a unique story, the national capital, really the heart of Mexico's economy with the surrounding state of Mexico. It accounts for more than a quarter of the total GDP of, 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 of the nation. And it's also home to many of Mexico's largest companies. It's a huge magnet for foreign direct investment, uh, $130 billion, um, and the state of Mexico surrounding it, another huge magnet for foreign direct investment. Uh, the city also concentrates many of the country's major universities, producing you know, massive numbers of graduates, both public and private universities. But I think from the standpoint of technology and innovation as well, it's, it's the home base for most of Mexico's venture funds, about 75% of the venture transactions in Mexico uh, take place in Mexico City. 80% of the invested venture capital in Mexico is invested in Mexico City. There are very good accelerators such as Endeavor, and we find initiatives like Google's Launchpad Accelerator Mexico there. Uh, it's the headquarters for Latin America, 500 startups. 
and again, home to many of the leading startups that are scaling in Latin America uh, that are Mexico-based. And the city itself is actually very focused with a, a series of important digital initiatives. And, you know, this just shows the just the scale of activity in Mexico City itself compared to everywhere else in Mexico. And you can see moving from the left to the right in those bars, uh, state of Mexico surrounding it. And then the other biggest action being in Jalisco around Guadalajara and Nuevo León around around Monterrey. And there you can see the amount of fundraising going on uh, with venture in, uh, in the Mexico City area. Again, really a, a tremendous growth of activity in, in the area. So turning to Guadalajara, uh, Guadalajara is really the heart of the innovation and technology economy in Mexico. There are almost 450,000 students uh, being produced by universities there, a, a large number of them being in, in, in engineering. It's home to a large percentage of Mexico's IT companies and really the, the base of the technology industry in, in, uh, in Mexico. There are a very large number of multinationals from around the world uh, that have R&D centers and production of various kinds in the Guadalajara area. Uh, and it's really the major base in Mexico currently for Silicon Valley companies with companies like Oracle and HP and Intel and, and many others having a large uh, footprint, as well as a really interesting flow of, of startups connecting into California from, uh, from Guadalajara. And lastly, we don't see the scale of activity there, but there are really interesting things happening in the El Bajío region in central Mexico, uh, states like Guanajuato and, 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 and Carretero and others, where these are really strong economies. They're very effective economies of lots of manufacturing, including advanced manufacturing, not showing the level of startup activity yet, but they're close to Mexico City. Uh, they're well-managed economically, and I think we're seeing them also starting to build up their innovation ecosystems. And finally, uh, I think we should mention uh, Yucatan uh, and the state capital of Merida, which is still at a small scale, but they're working very hard to build up uh, their base as an IT offshore center. They have some terrific universities, uh, a lot of talent, uh, a high quality of life, which is kind of a draw. For, for startups and founders, and they're interesting to watch as well. So kind of wrapping up some of this here, and I need to find my, my notes. I've lost my notes. Any, anyway, it's a small screen. Uh, the, I need to stare at this screen. Nope, it's so small. <laughs> uh, there's a, a significant imp, uh, impact or imprint of Mexico here in, in the Bay Area. There's a lot of history here. You know, we, going back to Spanish colonial days, there are strong university ties. We're seeing a growing amount of venture activity. It's not at a large scale yet, but there are a number of leading venture firms that have become active investors in Mexico. Uh, and there are a number, uh, including uh, Mita Capital, of venture firms that are specifically focused on working with startups in Mexico and with companies that look to expand from here into Mexico. So there's a, a very focused venture base. Uh, we're seeing the volume of that activity going up. Uh, so the, the main channel, uh, as I said earlier, between Silicon Valley and um, Mexico is really to Guadalajara, the large technology centers. Uh, I think one of the interesting things about Guadalajara is you've got basically a three-hour flight. 
and you have like minimal time zone difference. And I think the fact that government for more than 20 years has worked really closely together with industry in Guadalajara to kind of build an ecosystem. And what they were doing was uh, they saw them losing their, their manufacturing to uh, China in the early 2000s and late 1990s. And they figured they needed to work together and the focus moved toward innovation. And with that, they've been very successful in attracting companies. The other big anchor is Mexico City, but and we're not as heavy uh, elsewhere in Mexico uh, beyond those two locations, but that does point to a, a, a lot of opportunity. Stripe's Latin American headquarters was established last year in Mexico City. Lyft last year opened an engineering center in Mexico City. So we're seeing a growing amount of activity, and, and we're seeing among a lot of startups, uh, founders coming out of Stanford who are Mexican, Y Combinator playing an important role linking Silicon Valley with Mexico as a lot of Mexican startups go through wine combinator and of course, 500 startups. Uh, so this just shows the foreign direct investment from here going into Mexico. This is Silicon Valley Bay area, and you can see where it's going. And this is a, a, a growing number, which I think is really impressive. Primarily it's into software and it there's other things going on, but primarily software and it. And then if you look at the counties in the barrier where it's coming from, guess what? It's coming overwhelmingly from San Francisco and from Santa Clara County. So that's Silicon Valley. That's the tech corridor that the investment is coming from. And again, we're really talking very heavily about software and IT. So uh, just to sort of conclude this, uh, the scope of our relationship from the Bay Area with uh, Mexico, it's changing. It's broadening. Um, and, and it's broadening to include this topic of innovation that's linking us to so many different uh, countries now. Mexico is currently a base, but it could be a much bigger base uh, for R&D. Um, and I think when we think about supply chains and how the world economy is changing, it's an important moment for Mexico. Uh, there's a lot of emphasis on secure supply chains uh, around things like semiconductors, many other technologies. We're seeing some manufacturing be, being relocated from China and elsewhere, uh, closer to the U.S. or to the U.S. And when you look at that map, uh, there's an important opportunity for Mexico uh, in the technology space to really, as part of the, the North American market, to anchor more of this technology activity than in the past. And the fact that last year, uh, the North American Free Trade Agreement was approved, uh, provides a really important framework uh, and stability for future in, in, in investment decisions. There are other opportunities around in energy and climate, a, a broad range, but I think I'll end it there. I think that's the last slide. A broad range of opportunities. And I think that just the bottom line that we took away from, from the work on this report was that I, I think we in Silicon Valley and the Bay Area in California need to think more broadly uh, about how we view Mexico and the opportunities there. I think most people are aware there's a big manufacturing industry, there are maquiladoras, uh, but that industry is moving up the technology chain. Many of these cities and the companies there are working to upgrade their R&D. Uh, there are vast pools of highly trained engineers, as good as any in the world, spread across Mexico, especially in those cities that I mentioned. Uh, there's a growing cadre of successful startups that are global or becoming global, and a, a lot more waiting uh, uh, for the opportunity now to engage more deeply with us here in the Bay Area and Silicon Valley. With that, we'll go into a couple questions. I'm, I'm, I'm going to ask our, our speakers a few questions, and then we're going to open it up uh, 
to you all uh, for your questions from the audience. So just a reminder uh, to use the chat and then uh, the club will feed me questions and I'll pass those on to, to our speakers. Remedios, maybe we'll start with you. Uh, so as the Consul General of, of Mexico here, you see a lot of government officials coming through, um, national officials, you see governors and other officials from states and cities coming through San Francisco. And I know you've hosted university people coming through. So when they come to San Francisco and the Bay Area, what do you think they're looking for primarily? What would they like to take away or develop? And are, are there particular areas where you think the opportunities are, are strongest to, to build these channels? Well, thank you. Uh, good morning, everyone. And thank you, Sean, again, for inviting me in, in this conversation. Well, I think that the different missions and people that are coming from Mexico here to the Bay Area, they are looking for opportunities of businesses and businesses in the tech area, because they know very well that this uh, in an innovation ecosystem where they can uh, learn things that they can reproduce in Mexico, but also they can find the right partners in order to boost the technology area uh, that we are trying to advance so we can be in the 4.0 uh, industrial revolution. So uh, they come here and they can find research centers, they can find incubators, accelerators, they can find venture capital. We need to recall that uh, this region in the United States is the one that has like 65% uh, of the venture capital that is allocated in, in, in this country. So they know they can find many things that they can uh, get here. And mainly they want to tell uh, the companies uh, the academia, the researchers here, the venture capitalists, that Mexico is there. We are your neighbor. We're in the same time uh, uh, zone, and that we need to take advantage of that. And of all the both binational, a state of California, and national frameworks that allow that our partnership, our joint ventures, can produce even more benefits to both sides of the border. Thank you. Lynn, so you spend a lot of time in Guadalajara uh, and you run a startup conference uh, near Guadalajara in Punta Vita. Can you tell us something about what you're seeing as an investor from the Bay Area nationally in Mexico, but especially what you're seeing around technology and innovation in, in, in Guadalajara? I think it's helpful. I mean, obviously, I'm from the United States, uh, if you can't tell, but uh, Mexico is kind of my adopted home. So um, it's a, a pleasure to focus a lot of my time on it. And um, having been involved in the technology business previously and then spending time in Mexico, when I started my conference, the Meet to Tech Talks in 2012, it was because I saw this incredible disconnect or an opportunity in Mexico. I saw the demographic of the population there being half under the age of 30, median age of 27, um, and an incredible uh, uh, usage of smartphone technology and adoption of mobile technologies, the increase in the amount of engineering degrees that were graduating out of the universities. And so in my mind, knowing Silicon Valley and what was occurring there and seeing the demographics in Mexico, I just thought, it was a natural evolution and it was bound to um, have a very, very strong ecosystem and startup culture there. 
Guadalajara was a particular interest to me because of the university system, as you mentioned, Sean, and the deep tech. It had a history of being kind of the tech manufacturing center there with Hewlett Packard and some of the other large corporations from the U.S. that did their product development and manufacturing in the area. So it had a base of knowledge, and that's transmitted down to the to the engineers that are working in that area. So, you know, where you mentioned earlier that Mexico City has the majority of the venture capital because it is the financial center of Mexico, Guadalajara has a very, very strong talent, um, uh, depth of talent there in engineering and are more focused on deep tech and, and things such as artificial intelligence, um, medical technologies, educational technologies, robotics. So it's it's a really interesting ecosystem to me, as well as being just a great place for <laughs> equality of life. We see a lot of companies that are relocating and Guadalajara's uh, and the Jalisco state government have been very, very welcoming to make it easy for foreign entities to set up their operations in Guadalajara and expand their businesses. So for companies that are looking for perhaps a, um, a better talent value cost and, and quality of living. Guadalajara has been, been a very welcoming uh, location for them to, to open offices in. It does seem like, the, as you were saying, that the cost of engineers is very low in, uh, in, in Guadalajara compared to, to Silicon Valley. And the access, you know, certainly by air, is, is very, very close. And I, I, I have been hearing about more companies now uh, having their their engineering done in in, in Guadalajara, you know, from the valley, both larger companies, but especially smaller companies. Yeah, Gu Guadalajara and Mexico, really throughout Mexico, the talent and it, and it and it really is. Um, it's not that it's less expensive; it's just much more affordable. I mean, the talent depth and the the, the learning uh, abilities are super strong, and and I think that that's and the the cost of living overall. So I. I, I, the loyalty is also a factor. One of the things that you know, in Silicon Valley, it's really known that people will change jobs with quite a great frequency because of different offers they get. And it's hard to get engineering talent in Silicon Valley. And uh, there's a lot more of it. The, the universities are graduating. They're doing an exceptional job. You mentioned Tech to Monterey. I mean, they've shifted the whole way they train engineers and their educational to centered around entrepreneurship and startup culture. So I was uh, have been incredibly impressed at how a large inst educational institution could make such a quantum uh, and rapid change in the way they educate the students to to really focus on what a startup culture and startup engineer would would be thinking about. So as we know, technology changes every day. So it's hard to keep up with it from an educational perspective. So they're teaching how to think about um, uh, engineering and solving problems using technology. Fantastic. Andy, you, 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 you see startup environments, you know, all around the world. You, you've taken groups from Silicon Valley Bank uh, to any number of countries and, and, and you're working with startups, especially through the Gateway program to kind of get them introduced to, uh, to markets. So, there's probably two questions. The first one, when you look across the landscape in Mexico, you know, as a bank that works with startups and technology companies especially and works with venture firms, what, what are you seeing across Mexico? Well, thanks. Uh, thanks, Sean, for the question. And, and uh, thanks uh, to you and Bayer Council for, uh, for inviting me on. Great uh, report, uh, great research as you guys always do, and we're happy to be part of it. Uh, so, um, answering your question, Sean, um, 
you know, we, we've been active in, um, in the region in Latin America for going on a decade now. And, um, you know, we saw a lot of entrepreneurial activity uh, sort of originally focused on, on um, Brazil, which continues to get the kind of lion's share of investment, um, venture capital investment in LATAM. But uh, quickly we, we began to get a market pull into Mexico you know, probably about, uh, call it eight years ago, 2013, 2014 timeframe, there was a lot of stimulation going on then from the from the Mexican government in terms of creating startup Mexico, seeding venture capital funds, and that really got us um, started because of the amount of activity that we, that we saw in the region. And, and as you did a nice job highlighting uh, in your numbers, Sean, we've just seen tremendous growth in the region. And um, you mentioned some of the investor delegations we took. We were, we were really excited about what was happening in Mexico and, and took two delegations uh, of VCs from the US, well, the first one in 2017. And um, just to give you a sense of the, the, the numbers, in, in that year, 2017, Mexico had about $80 million of venture capital investment uh, accounting for about 7% of overall investment in the region. This is uh, according to LAVCA, the Latin American Venture Capital Association. Fast forward to where we are today for the half year, we're already at you know $1.3 billion. That's only for the half year. And Mexico now accounting for 20% of overall um, overall investment. Uh, but at that time frame in 2017, we thought, you know, gosh, um, when we left, it, it still felt really small and nascent. And so uh, we, we took another group down in 2019. And I think as the kind of the numbers I just uh, you know, noted, we really started to see that growth. And, and now today with the, um, again, with some of the unicorns that you mentioned, whether it's, you know, Kavak or Payclip and, um, uh, you know, Corn Shop obviously getting acquired by Uber for uh, $2.6 billion. So, uh, there's a lot of momentum happening in Mexico, and I think to your point, the proximity and uh, to to the Bay Area, gosh, Lynn knows when you, when you get on the planes from San Francisco to to Guadalajara, Mexico City, you, you're bumping into people you know now really regularly because they're making that that trip uh, into the region to look for great opportunities. You mentioned Latin America, Andy, and I know the bank has had a presence in Latin America for quite a long time, and one of the patterns we've 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 noticed is that some of these young, fast-growing companies in Mexico are, are looking very quickly to expand into Latin America, you know, especially companies like Colombia or Chile or others, uh, to kind of broaden their market base. So what? how do you view the Latin America connection, either Latin America as a market or Latin America as a market seen through companies that are starting up in Mexico? Yeah, I think even today, it's a, it's an interesting question, Sean. I think even today, there's still a propensity for, um, you know, sort of this divide between um, Brazil and, and the rest of Spanish-speaking Latin. And I think, obviously, Mexico being the largest uh, country and, and economy in, in, in Spanish-speaking Latin America, uh, there still is this tendency for companies to build regionally uh, across across Spanish-speaking Latin America. Um, and, um, you know, I think that still is the preponderance of the 
the um, way companies scale, startup companies scale is sort of in that order, you know, more regionally. And then some companies, as you referenced, will look um, uh, much more global in terms of uh, in in terms of their market, uh, you know, market uh, market ambitions. Uh, but one of the interesting things that are, that have been changing is, um, you know, sort of the regionalization across Latin America as well, meaning that, um, you know, I think you mentioned that the the, the overall venture to, venture capital available in Mexico is still, you know, on the on the scarcer side. All the, obviously that's changing. One of the things that we are seeing is um, the some of the well-funded venture capital firms from other regions in Latin America, such as Brazil, beginning to be very active in, 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 um, in Mexico, in addition to US investors. So that combination of things is really beginning to have companies look uh, immediately at um, expansion, not only in Spanish speaking Latin, but um, you know, if you're taking money from a, a, a strong Brazilian investor, they're gonna help you enter into, into the Brazil, large Brazilian market as well. So. That, uh, things are certainly evolving. Interesting. I, I, I hadn't heard that before. Thanks. Marisa, uh, we're going to swing down to Tijuana and Baja California and because it's so close. And, you know, one of the things I've been surprised at is that given how close Tijuana is to Silicon Valley and you couldn't be closer to California, you just walk across the border, that the the footprint of Silicon Valley companies there is surprisingly small. And I, I was really struck. I grew up in San Diego and I used to be across the border all the time, but I hadn't been back for 20 years. And, and about two years ago, came back for the first time after Long Gap. And I, uh, I was really struck. I, I, I normally fly a lot to China and a lot to India. You know, you've got your 15-hour flights and all the time zones and jet lag. And I think I got on, on the plane at like, eight o'clock in the morning at SFO and I was in San Diego at 9.15 and picked up by a car and was across the border before 10 o'clock and was in a meeting. And I could have gone home the same day. I thought, well, this is pretty remarkable. Uh, it sure beats, you know, the, the 15 hours of flying. So it, it does surprise me a bit still that there, there isn't a bigger footprint of our companies yet in, in, in Tijuana. So, uh, this is your territory. Uh, you work especially with software companies, uh, helping to bridge them from California into Tijuana. So can you tell us something more about kind of the, the engineering base, the, the startup, but especially the, the, the IT sector in, in the Tijuana area and, and, and what companies from California are doing there now in, in the way of sort of R&D or, 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 or wrapping Tijuana into their uh, their IT systems. Yeah, absolutely. Um, for sure, Tijuana is one of the best kept secrets around. That's how I see it. I went myself to Tijuana for the first time in 2015, and I was really surprised. I'm based in San Diego, and I used to work for a large biotech company looking for software talent. And for us, that same fact that you mentioned, that you get picked up by a shuttle, by a car, and are in Tijuana within 30 minutes and back home for dinner with your family, you cannot find that anywhere else. So that was very unique for us. And, and that's why I, I really am, my, my charter right now is to help companies to leverage the talent in Tijuana. Uh, you see, I'm a software engineer, and that's what I love doing. 
and what I see today is the talent war is real and it's only getting worse. Through COVID, we saw that just in the United States, the number of open positions for software engineers almost quadrupled in one year. So what happens is many of us in companies in California and, and all over the country and the world are looking for the same type of talent, the digital talent. And honestly, when, when I went to Tijuana, I didn't realize the opportunity that we had in front of us. We started hiding, um, we, we ran an experiment. We said, can we hire 20 people here? Because we weren't quite sure. As you, to your point earlier, Tijuana was not known as a tech hub. We not only hired the 20 people through that experiment, we were very surprised with the quality of the products that we were getting. And the, the difference why we have so many world-class engineers in Mexico is primarily, in my experience, is the ability for them to have this real-time interface connections with folks here in California. I was going to Tijuana almost every day, and the engineers were coming to San Diego almost every day to do their onboarding, to get the understanding of the product. You cannot have that anywhere else. Um, you mentioned getting on a flight three hours. We talk about one-hour flight to local San Diego and cross the border. That's very unique. So in the last six to seven years, um, I personally hired over a thousand engineers in Tijuana. Um, one of the largest centers of excellence now there is uh, Thermo Fisher Scientific. And the concentration of life sciences in San Diego has also reflected in Tijuana. So most of the companies going to Tijuana today are in the life science, which also speaks for quality. Products that are FDA regulated that people are wearing or patients are wearing or using for life or death situations are being built in Tijuana. Quality first. And so I'm really impressed with the quality of the engineers and the quantity. You did mention some a tremendous amount of engineers graduating. When you combine all the engineers from Mexico, guess what? You have more engineers graduating from Mexico than the United States. So for me, California is well positioned uniquely to win this talent war because Mexico is literally by our side. You know, most of these engineers are coming out of the universities in, in Tijuana. Uh, so is that where you go to look for the talent? So if a company says to you, I need 100 engineers with X capacity, uh, how do you work with the universities? So we do have a good partnership with local universities. Uabese is one that you mentioned, CETIS is another one, and there's more than 30 universities in Tijuana. We created a training program, which is essentially a one-year internship of students in the last year of graduation, and they come work with our customers for the one-year period. One year is sufficient for both the company and the person to know, this is a good fit for me or not. 99.9% um, .9 of those students, when they graduate, get a full-time job. So that's a big source for talent for us. But what's also unique uh, in San Diego and Tijuana is the close collaboration between the local universities. So talk about not just Tijuana universities, but also UCSD, USD, and others where have cross-border programs where we cross-pollinate students from both sides of the border. And, you know, you have all of a sudden... Uh, kids from Tijuana that are spending eight weeks in the campuses of UCSD working with the scientists there. Uh, it's just a very different uh, connection and type of talent that's been generated. 
That kind of gets us into this topic of the Cali Baja region, which is really, you know, San Diego County, Southern California, with sort of Tijuana and the cities along the border. Uh, it does seem that that's a, a, a significant binational economy. And as you're saying, it, it's reflected in not just business, but the university exchanges. And you were part of that when you were with Thermo Fisher, which, as I recall, has a facility in Carlsbad that connects very closely with the facility in, in, in Tijuana. So can you maybe share something about uh, your experience working binationally around digital technologies uh, for Thermo Fisher? Yeah, so when we started opening the center in, in, in Tijuana, we already had centers in India, US, Europe, all over the world except Mexico. And for us being in California, in, in Carlsbad was a no-brainer to just go and uh, do the same thing in Mexico. Um, our experience, again, back in 2014, Tijuana was primarily known as a manufacturing hub, but not so much a tech hub. So I actually had to do this experiment and do it myself. What I learned is that it is possible. The universities are very open to partner with private companies. And if you really want to do it, you will get it done. Today, Thermo Fisher Scientific is considered one of the uh, showcases or role models for how to do centers of excellence in Tijuana. But besides that, we also had this close collaboration. We, I remember we had a shuttle service that was picking people up from Tijuana and San Diego and bringing them across the sites. We had hundreds of people every, every month crossing the border and having these face-to-face interactions. Um, and Thermo Fisher um, was using this, this capability for building their 2030 vision of becoming the leaders in digital science. So it wasn't small or or uh, type of work that nobody else wants to do. It was the 2030 vision for thermal fisher. So very successful. And if we can swing over to you, sort of coming back to you know your experience in Jalisco, but also in Mexico City, how would you contrast the environment for say technology, but especially startups in in Guadalajara? Uh, versus what goes on in, in, in Mexico City. We did talk about kind of more the focus on the hard technologies in, in Guadalajara. But if you're thinking about startups, uh, is that reflected somehow in the kind of startups you're seeing and the kind of investment you're seeing in, in Guadalajara versus Mexico City? Uh, well, I, you know, I, again, I think there's, it, it, just to be clear, the majority of the venture capital is based out of Mexico City, inside of Mexico. Um, so the startups are located, as you so beautifully pointed out, throughout the country. And so the types of startups, I do see more um, kind of deep tech startups involved or coming out of, of Guadalajara. In Mexico City, I kind of correlate Mexico City to New York, where it's the financial center, entertainment, media. And so those sorts of companies are naturally evolving out of Mexico City along with logistics. I mean, Mexico City is a city of over 20 million inhabitants. So it's larger than most countries. And we're also seeing, you know, we talked a little bit about, um, I, I see Mexico as a bridge between larger LATAM and the United States. And I'm seeing through my work that I do with the Google Launchpad program, a lot of the very successful companies that are coming out of Colombia, Argentina, even Brazil, are looking at Mexico as the bridge point to launch into 
North America or global markets. So Mexico City itself provides an opportunity with such a concentrated base of population to test markets, to um, fine-tune logistics, to, you know, this is why I think th companies like Corner Shop and Rappi have been so successful based out of Mexico City. Even Didi, the ride-sharing company out of China, chose Mexico City as its first point of entry globally out of anywhere else in the world because of the opportunities that it presented. So Mexico City presents a lot of opportunities for startups to expand and to grow. And I think Guadalajara has a culture of, of really thinking deeply about technology and solving some of those problems that are a little bit um, you know, more, uh, more significant in terms of healthcare and um, deep tech. Um, Wanawato, as you mentioned, interesting space technology coming out of there. And Merida has an incredibly strong robotics program that I see, you know, will just continue to grow with self-driving cars and and as we, we uh, you know, venture into different sorts of robotics. So each each aspect, each part of the country has its own kind of niche and, and specialty. The funding does tend to come from Mexico City, but that doesn't mean that the talent or the, the opportunities are are uh, are matched directly with the dollars in the different regions. So they're funded throughout and also through investors globally, including many from Silicon Valley who have, have really started to identify the opportunities in Mexico and Latin America more broadly. When we started this project, people suggested in Mexico, well, you should also take a look at Merida. And I thought, Merida, Yucatan, really? Uh, but then was you know pleasantly surprised to see how, how how motivated they were and how focused and and the kind of base they're developing, uh, especially through some of the leading universities there. So, and a nice place to live. Yeah, and I'm, I'm working with a startup right now that's that was originally based out of Merida but moved to Mexico City just for fundraising. But they're working in AI, and they've actually um, they're part of the Google program, but they've they're developing AI algorithms that more. Uh, accurately capture Spanish language because so much of machine learning and natural language processing has been built on English data sets. And so to have this sort of technology coming out of Mexico and in particular out of Merida, you know, to have a 44% greater accuracy rate and NLP than the North American counterparts is pretty exciting. I'm curious whether this could be a question for Andy too. With Mexico City and Guadalajara, you've got you know, easy direct air access. And with, so, you know, from Silicon Valley, you can go back and forth pretty easily. Um, Tijuana, of course, you can, you can get there really quickly through, through San Diego. Is it a factor for venture investors uh, whether or not you, you have direct flights? For example, does that really affect significantly how a venture investor might look at opportunities in Monterey or Juarez or, or Merida, uh, or is that not something that really factors in significantly? That could be either Lynn or Andy or both. I'll just start out by saying that I think COVID and the lockdowns were a real um, benefit to broadening the lens of opportunity among global investors. And so where I used to speak to my venture counterparts in Silicon Valley, and it was very difficult for them to kind of look beyond the geographical scope of the opportunities that they had in their backyard. And then when everybody was on Zoom, they started seeing the opportunities a little bit more evenly. And this is where I think you even see a dispersion among opportunities within the United States to different areas. So inside of Mexico, 
you know, the same thing. And it's also allowed them to, you know, I think, global investors to really look into Mexico. Um, it, it is a factor. I mean, I think it's uh, more than anything, the startups themselves don't have the role model sense and the, the thinking large sense. So by being in larger environments um, and having exposure to it, it it's more helpful or to have a sense of community around them. So the communities inside of these smaller pockets have less of the culture of startup mentality, which I think is very, very helpful and which is why I think it's so important that all of us uh, work together to build these bridges and share the opportunities and the, the thoughts on scaling um, with our, our incredible teams here in Mexico. Andy, you probably have something to add to that. Yeah, thanks, Lynn. Great point on um, on how uh, Zoom and doing business digitally has really changed uh, perspective. But, but, Sean, I think your point is still valid res with respect to um, you know ease of travel, um, time zones, the ability to uh, get on a plane in, in San Francisco and be um, in in either Guadalajara or Mexico City in a couple hours relative to you know, trying to take the same journey to, as you mentioned, Bangalore or to uh, Sao Paulo, where you still don't have a direct flight. And so you spend the better part of, you know, 20 plus hours to be able to get there. Uh, and I do think um, that gives natural advantages then, Sean, to, um, you know, the bigger cities and the bigger pockets of entrepreneurs, I think for Global investors like Silicon Valley Bank, where we don't have uh, any full-time presence in the region, we have to be reasonably efficient with the way we do business. And obviously ease of travel is one of the ways to be efficient. But um, you know, when we travel to Mexico, we tend to focus on Mexico City, Guadalajara, Monterey, um, and really haven't spent uh, too much energy in smaller markets beyond that, only because you, you really begin to um, you know, lose that that um, that efficiency, and we we have found that entrepreneurs are willing to uh, you know to travel uh, to you know what again to Mexico City or one of the bigger hubs to be able to to meet you if if needed. I will uh, caveat that if you have an opportunity to spend time uh, with Lynn at her uh, Meet a Tech Talks, it's a great place to uh, learn a lot more about Mexico as well. That sounds fantastic. In fact, <laughs> uh, Remedios. Uh, I think universities are part of this. I've really been struck with how many founders of Mexico companies actually met each other and came out of Stanford. And we know there, there's research collaboration. So when, when you look at uh, beyond the flow of startups, uh, sort of some of those deeper ties to Mexico, the university and other ties, uh, what, do, what do you see happening there? Because it's sort of a foundation for a lot of what we're talking about now. Well, I see a lot of activity. Actually, I've been interviewing and meeting many of the Mexican talent that has come to the universities. And from there, they've started their own startups and they are taking advantage of having access to the whole ecosystem here. But going back to, to the possibilities and potential in Mexico, I just would like to recall that it's not only the market size that uh, they've been already describing, but also the high penetration of internet among the people that makes that the market in Mexico is a good space for startups to uh, prove what they are uh, developing. I mean, just to mention in some figures, Mexico has 85 million users of internet. That's 63% of the population over six years old. 
86.3 million users of smartphones. 96% of the people between 20 and 30 years old use at least one platform of social media. And Facebook, for example, has 50 million users there and 55.3 million online shoppers. And e-commerce sales revenue is estimated to be of 3.9 billion this year. So there's great potential if we connect better the talent here, the interest here, uh, the possibility of opening startups and escalating them with all the potential that we have in Mexico. Fantastic. I, I have noticed also that like with other countries, uh, there's a good number of Mexican startups that maybe had a connection here, but they, they, they put their headquarters in the Silicon Valley now, or they have dual headquarters now uh, in Mexico and Silicon Valley to kind of leverage the opportunities on, on, on both sides. Uh, the, maybe the last question, because we're getting down to the last uh, few minutes. Do you see immigration politics as having any, any impact on all of this? Uh, we don't think of it so much in terms of technology, but you know, immigration is a topic always with, with, with Mexico and certainly nationally. Uh, does that come into play, or, or uh, are we really looking about a, a straightforward economic and business dynamic? Well, uh, immigration is, of course, related to trade, but I would like to recall also that Mexico and Canada are part of special TN visa for people to come. If you are talking about people coming to the United States, we are part of that possibility of having the TN visa that it's quite easy to get uh, instead of uh, waiting like the rest of the world with H-1B visa to, to be here. That's part of uh, uh, those that want to come here. That's great. So I'm glad you mentioned that because, you know, it, as we all know, that H-1B visas are a challenge that quota fills within days, typically every April. And there's a, a long waiting list for uh, companies to get uh, H-1Bs in. But uh, in the case of Mexico, that's that's not a, an issue. So uh, perhaps another uh, another opportunity. Yeah, and I'll just add that as a foreigner working in Mexico, I have permanent residency in Mexico now, but they make it very easy. And I do see opportunities. The more restrictive the United States is on their immigration policies, that um, foreigners from other parts of the world that are interested in working in technology that maybe the spouse can't also have a visa, Mexico is a great opportunity. So companies who have offices in Mexico, the immigration policy is extremely welcoming for professionals especially. And so that's a, it's a great opportunity. You know, obviously you have the proximity um, between California and Mexico, which makes it a natural point for, uh, uh, you know, um, founders in the Mexican innovation ecosystem to travel here and, and, and foster the deeper connections that you've highlighted. But, you know, it's not without its challenges with the, um, you know, the cost of, um, of of doing business in California, the cost of living here, setting up operations. Um, you know, uh, the bank has recently launched a, a business in, in uh, Miami, in part because of the Miami's um, positioning as a gateway to Latin America. And we've, we've actually seen quite a number of our Mexican clients uh, relocate towards uh, Miami as well. So it's something to think about from a, you know, kind of, kind of policy perspective for uh, from uh you know, between California and, and Mexico on the on the innovation sector. Great. So I think we're unfortunately 
out of time now. Uh, I want to remind everybody in the audience that um, the link to uh, the Economic Institute's Mexico report uh, has been posted by the club. You can also find it at bayareaeconomy.org. So lots more detail uh, than we had time to talk about today. But with that, I want to thank uh, Remedios and, and Lynn and Maritza and Andy for joining us today and for their you know terrific and insightful comments. It's obviously a a, a, a new and an important story, uh, and I think something that uh, will be of, of growing significance and interest for for, for Silicon Valley. Um, with with that, thanks very much again and. Uh, I want to thank the Commonwealth Club uh, for hosting today's session. And with that, uh, I'm Sean Randolph, and this meeting of the Commonwealth Club is now adjourned. You've been listening to the Commonwealth Club of California. Hear thousands of our podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Stitcher. If you like what you've heard, please consider supporting our work and help us bring 500 programs a year to listeners like you. Go to commonwealthclub.org donate. Think your way around the world with our travel programs to exciting domestic and international destinations. And when you're in the Bay Area, please join us live at our events. Thank you for listening and for your support. 